Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, everybody, welcome back to our second of two all-new editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today. I'm Ro. Noah's still here. Yep. Great catching up with all of our guests. In the first episode, we had the new national spokeswoman for Trump 2024, Caroline Levitt, to join us. Congressman Andy Biggs was in, and former congresswoman looking to retake Texas 34, Myra Flores, joined us as well. We're going to be sitting down with Georgia Congressman Mike Collins and Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett today in our second edition of the podcast, and we're going to be focusing a little less on the Iowa caucus victory that Donald Trump had yesterday and the reaction from the media and focusing in on some of the going-ons of Capitol Hill like the battle over the budget and border security in our second edition of Steak for Breakfast. So we're going to be hearing from Speaker Mike Johnson first. He was asked yesterday following a conference with Republican counterparts, questions about the new CR, and if you haven't heard, we did get another Band-Aid over the government. I'm, I'm sure it's going to pass with the Democrats helping out to fund everything through, remember, it's laddered now, two steps. The first one ending on March 1st of 2024. We'll have the second one ending on March 9th. And uh, then we'll figure out what we're going to do. Are we going to finish these appropriation bills? Is there going to be another short-term Band-Aid? Mike Johnson already said he's a no on an omnibus bill for this year, so at least that's partially okay. But I know a lot of people within the Freedom Caucus and the America First delegation of the Republican House are starting to get frustrated with the negotiations that have been going on with the Speaker and Chuck Schumer. So let's get into it right now and hear the Speaker yesterday up on Capitol Hill talking about what's the latest on the budget battle to shut down the government rather than put forward a CR uh, in order for uh, you know, Congress to take up its appropriation bills and get them to the president's desk? Listen, we, we have the appropriations process uh, working on all cylinders right now. We, we came up with a top-line agreement that was necessary, as you all know, so the appropriators in, in both chambers can get together and negotiate the final uh, spending bills. We, we have been working very hard since the beginning of this Congress to get 12 separate appropriations bills done. We passed seven of them off the House floor. We funded about 81 percent of government. I think four of the rest have been through uh, at least some final stages of the process, if not a House floor vote. Uh, to date, I think the Senate has only done three bills. So now this puts everybody in a room to be able to negotiate what those final numbers are. It is working in earnest. I would say the pedal's to the metal right now, and I'm very hopeful and optimistic that we can meet the deadline. We'll be seeing on whether or not that happens now. Moving the goalposts down the road till March. Noah, what do you think? Do you think it's better to continue on with negotiations and hope to get something done on border security, or do you think we are at a point... You know, we heard in our first edition of the show today from Arizona Rep. Andy Biggs. He's a border state rep. He, his district is a border district, and he is at the point right now to where he's pretty much, uh, if we're not funding border security, real border security, we're not funding the budget and the government anymore. Shut it down. Shut it down for as long as it takes. There's there's only one solution to save our country because if it gets any worse, I mean, we're we're literally being invaded. Mm. And I'm not saying that, like, to be, you know, inflammatory. Don't worry, this isn't CNN. I no, I know. I won't but... cut off the victory speech when you start talking about the invasion. <laughs> no, but there's no other way to classify this. And the fact that people are still ignoring what's going on and just think that it's okay that we've lost thousands and thousands of children. Like, what the fuck? What are you thinking? The, the only pos positive thing is that so many people are seeing what's actually happening now 
like with that shit in Texas, the Biden administration is literally trying to stop Texas from protecting itself. We're going to get to that in our second news segment today. It's yeah. a great point. We've got a up-to-the-minute update on that as well. I saw Congresswoman MTG before she left for Iowa to help stump for Donald Trump in the Iowa caucus was talking following the Republican conference on how she feels the budget negotiations have gone this thus far. And, you know, the amount of debt we're racking up, the budget deficit that we're running into every year, the fact that we're still at post-COVID spending and that there seems no immediate resolution in sight. Let's hear from the Georgia congresswoman. With the Senate at this point, it seems like we'd be headed for a shutdown and for suddenly changing we don't the have line to number. To we, don't, we don't have to shut down. Well, That's we why I said. Well, it no doesn't have to be either CR or shut down. We can do a very limited government funding bill that just keeps keeps the basic functions of the government going because like I said if you're a business on the verge of going out of business that's what you have to do you have to make cuts to keep your doors open if you're a household that you're on the verge of losing your house losing but your car wait excuse me many Americans is. many Americans are in that position right now because of the government and the inflation that we're under many of my constituents they can't afford so many things because the amount of money that this place and all these idiots that have been here for decades have done to them. So it's time for this Congress and it's time for the Senate. Uh, and I don't care what Schumer says. He's over 80 years old and he's part of the problem because he's been here too long. It's time for them to wake up and realize, no, you can't fund all the government programs that you want to fund. The American people are fed up with it and we have to close the border. But that has for, to be done. Even she makes some good points. What do you think about the limited spending uh, as we've run into so much debt nationally, the annual budget deficit and, and things of that nature? And, you know, we've heard some of the congressmen and women kind of teasing on the show over the course of the last few weeks and, and months, Noah. And that's where you're funding the essential parts of the government. The military stays funded. The border security apparatus stays funded. And I only say that because, you know, the Georgia congresswoman is also an esteemed war room author as well mm. and uh you know but when you talk about uh kind of this is what democrats don't want this is what chuck schumer is scared of that republicans might be able to stand up to something as as far as like a limited spending bill because what happens is all the special interests and stuff that the lobby groups have have kind of vied for in regards to the budget are all taken out of it and you're basically just only funding the bare bones to essentially keep the lights on we need to stop just this wasteful spending that the government has done. It, it's built into government now just to waste. Like, oh, we have this budget and we got this much last year and we're just going to burn money at the end of the year just, just to make sure that we get more next year. It's a terrible way to, to run a government. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear. I mean, Andy Biggs said the amount of people who were in support of not being in line with Chuck Schumer's idea of what, government spending should be was around 70 last time and that that number is growing. We're going to ask both Congressman Collins and Burchett today exactly what they think in regards to that narrative as well. You know, something that's just starting to bleed into congressional dealings up on Capitol Hill is what's going on with some of the special counsel and legal cases regarding Donald Trump. We did talk about on the show last week on our Friday editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast how Fannie Willis has run into some issues. Fanny? Yeah. And it seems like her boyfriend, who was picked to lead this case against Donald Trump, the first of its kind for oh, him. Oh, not, not the gang member one. 
No, not the gang member one she slept with. <laughs> well, different gang. This is I a guess. different guy. This was a married man and an attorney who had never worked in a high profile felony case. She tapped him and then he tapped her. Mm. He got a divorce. They started seeing each other, and then she appointed him to be the lead prosecutor here. She paid him almost $700,000, and during that time between that instance and when the case actually started, they took trips to Miami, Napa Valley, the Caribbean, and he went up to the White House and charged White House counsel officially to ask for information regarding prosecuting Donald Trump. She even went up to the White House, met with the Biden administration twice, and went to Kamala Harris's house right after Donald Trump was indicted mm. in the state of Georgia. If this was somebody in the Trump orbit, this would be a front-page news 24-7 ticker tape of how fucked up it was. Well, they used to try and do the same things with Mr. Mar-a-Lardo himself. Michael Cohen, when, you know, ever, when his name ever came up, but then it found out that he lied about everything. So what can you, you know, say? Where were the documents that were in these empty top secret files that were found at Mar-a-Lardo? I mean, that's really, <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> that's my favorite. When I heard that, I was like, yes, I'm stealing that one. So Fannie Willis spoke at a, Democrat fundraiser this weekend. And of course, now that the light is being shown on the inappropriate way that she brought this case against Donald Trump and the misuse of government funds, state funds in the, uh, government related in the state of Georgia, um, what do you think she'd be invoking as part of her defense right now, Noah? Invoking? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? Well, you know, now that everybody's starting to say, like, hey, maybe this case against Donald Trump isn't legitimate. Maybe they did actually every single thing wrong that Donald Trump has accused them of, and worse. Oh, and, like, how she's going to defend against the public actually seeing what the truth is? Who do you think, what or what do you think she would blame on that? Climate change? Close. Racism. There you go. Let's hear it. I knew it was one of those, too. <laughs> All the glory I received. I was going to start with racism, but I didn't want to, you know. Not a perfect me. We are at a time in history, people. Hear me on this. We are at a time in history. It's definitely a time. When you can no longer sit back and just let other folks out. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. Preach. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. See, it is never about who you are. It is always about the great I am and who he is. See, we are all flawed, sinners, unworthy, imperfect, damaged, but we are qualified upon his call. Find common ground with people of all different ideologies if you simply commit yourself to being obedient 
and steadfast in your efforts and his work. If you commit yourself, God will turn your hard-headed self into the extraordinary for his kingdom. Mm. So Noah, remember, these people can only move mountains in the midst of all of their imperfectness. Imperfectness? Mm. Like imperfect representations of the law? Listen, just because Fannie Willis appears to be a liar. And? An adulterer. And? A money launderer. And? A crooked cop. And? I'm going to stop right there. Asshole. I also want to apologize to our listenership, but we did meet our two-minute quota of diversity, equity, inclusion for our two episodes today as well. Brought to you by Pfizer. Oh, man. She basically gives you guys the there there. I may have adultered. I may have lied. I may have laundered money. I might be a crooked cop. But it doesn't matter because as long as I am a black woman and nobody will say anything to me because I am a black woman, I can move mountains and prosecute Donald Trump. Move mountains of money. Man, there's a picture going around of her on the red carpet. And people show it online sometimes. I mean, it's like the worst picture. She looks like a caterpillar person inside of like a, a one of those one-piece dresses. <laughs> but Noah, when you look at the shoes that she has on and the damage that she's doing to her feet, um, I'm going to show you the picture right now. I want your up-to-the-minute reaction on this. Does it look like somebody from a mob movie getting garroted? Oh, yeah, it does, actually. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Like somebody's doing that, like from the backseat of a Cadillac in Goodfellas. <laughs> she looks like Princess Fiona <laughs> in real life from Shrek. Her toenails are trying to kick out the windshield. Oh, man. Like, I made a close up picture of her feet and That's I use it in the comment. But then people will take even more close up pictures of like her toes and they're like, <laughs> you can see the veins working overtime right there. <laughs> definitely not on Wikipedia. Oh, no, definitely not on Wikipedia. Ugh. It's a, it's up to con no, all jokes aside, it is up to Congress to get to the bottom of this because we have to remember what the there there is. Donald Trump could not go from his massive victory in Iowa yesterday directly to New Hampshire because he had to go to fucking Manhattan last night and land at three o'clock in the morning so he can go and defend himself in court in one of these sham. I, I've lost track of which one it was. It might be the Manhattan. I'm air quoting now fraud cases into his. Uh, business dealings, or it might be the E. Jean Carroll, the vagina lady, and, and what's going on with there. They're trying to make Donald Trump pay her $5 million for defamation now. This is the lady that went on Anderson Cooper and said that she's like a rape enthusiast. A rape enthusiast? Yeah. And she's, what is that? Well, we're going to have to pull up the clip and play like it on a weird, next episode of the show. Like a kink? Anderson Cooper, who's as creepy as they come, was actually creeped out by this lady. Anderson Cooper looks like somebody that would like hang himself in the closet and masturbate. Yeah, he definitely does. <laughs> Thanks for that visual. <laughs> well, you didn't have to visualize it. Mm. Can't like, get it out of my head. I'd now. like to apologize. We're we talking about. Oh yeah, the there there. The Democrats are trying to make Donald Trump stay off the campaign trail as much as he can. Well, they're just trying to soak his war chest dry. That's all they're doing. And bankrupt him financially for things that are going nowhere. You know, it was pretty funny. For all the people that made fun of us, we even asked a couple of our legal experts. You know, we asked Jeffrey Clark. We've asked Jesse Banal. We asked Alina Haba about the legitimacy of Merrick Garland appointing Jack Smith to special counsel privileges 
based off the fact that he might not be eligible because they pretty much circumvented the entire congressional process about it. Well, guess what? The Wall Street Journal, Politico, the LA Times, the New York Times over the course of the last few weeks have said, has anybody really looked into the legitimacy of Jack Smith's prosecutional abilities to be able to go after Donald Trump now? And should we be talking about it? I was like, really? Because there is an actual legal basis to show that not only are all of these cases bullshit, but even the ways that they were founded, and it seems like every single one, I mean, Donald Trump used to say that these are Joe Biden indictments like last year, and people would kind of just roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, it's a Joe Biden indictments. That's why Merrick Garland's going after it. That's why state attorney generals are going after it. But now that you look, these people have all met with Joe Biden. These people have all met with Merrick Garland. These people have charged White House legal with actual sessions right before the cases came to a judge. And now people are like, well, maybe Mar-a-Lago is worth more than $15 million. Maybe Mar-a-Lardo. Donald Trump didn't push himself on top of this creepy cat lady rape enthusiast 40 years ago. Maybe the guy who owns LinkedIn, who's one of the biggest Democrat donors in the history of the universe, is really funding some of these cases going against Donald Trump. Maybe Mark Elias is going around and meeting with state senates and state attorney generals and even governors in blue states to try and convince them to take Donald Trump off the ballot. And then you start piecing all these pictures together. Two words for you, Noah. Election interference. Mm. And that's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. You know, so it's going to be up to Congress. If there's some oversight that they could provide in this matter, they really need to get to it and to it fast because, you know, the more Donald Trump has to go from his victories to court before he gets back on the campaign trail. All it does is is hurt potential voters from getting out to him. And, you know, you talk about both of his sons and all the America First congressmen and women who have been hitting the ground hard for him, governors who have come to his aid, former cabinet officials like Ben Carson. You got to look at it as a good thing. But at the end of the day, if it's not Donald Trump, which is obviously what the people want, and for as much as everybody likes a Byron Donalds, a Matt Gates, an MTG, a Ben Carson, a Christy Noem, a Doug Burgum, who would you rather go see, Noah? The supporting cast or the big dog? The big dog. The big dog. But I think right right now, and especially in regards to what's going on in Congress, we have to be able to financially navigate the waters. We can't just say we're going to reject everything, we're going to shut down everything without thinking about what the long game is. I would like to see the government shut down, but maybe with the bare bones funding and then Fuck everything else. All of these DEI agencies and people who remote work. Don't give them paychecks. But make sure the military and the border security people and the TSA and things of that nature, they all get funded because they're part of what greases the gears that help keep the country running and essentially keep the country safe. Whatever your perspective of these people are and the amount of jobs they either do or don't do, at some point, their careers all get dicey. I mean, there was like almost a 1,000 military personnel in airports along the East Coast this week that are getting ready to fly over to Iraq and get dumped in Syria to fight ISIS. Thanks, Joe Biden, because now that's a thing again. And it's like, you got to keep these people's families who are out there making the sacrifices for our country getting a paycheck every couple weeks. I I saw the larger apparatus Mm. has continued on with almost his now three-week rant in regards to railing against Mike Johnson because he won't go on his show. Let's hear Steve Bannon. Force Biden to come to the House and tell us exactly what in the hell this feckless, hapless, illegitimate hack has got in mind. Don't you have the balls to do that? Don't you believe in the Constitution? 
Are we just going to start shooting up everywhere? Because it's coming. Because you didn't hold him accountable. That's why he thought he had their authorization for it. And is Austin fear you? We can have a we can have the 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 second hand of the National Command Authority and nuclear weapons and every attack be out of the loop. And you know why? Because they don't fear you in the House. The Armed Services Committee rolls over and gets their belly scratched all the time. They don't fear you. They don't respect you. Steve's getting a phone call. <laughs> Johnson, you want to be a hero? Don't leave this weekend. Go in and say, War Powers Act, hey, your budget's finished. We're shutting down the border. You're not getting a punny. We're going to defund it all and bring a government shutdown. Shut this illegitimate regime down before it does any more damage to the citizens of this country, our nation, its sovereignty, and the rest of the world. Be a hero. In fact, don't even be a hero. Johnson... Just be a man. <laughs> I would never do that to you guys. I promise. Listen, I know the the response to the Houthi attacks on U.S. personnel and forces around the globe was met with Joe Biden dropping bombs on Yemen last week. But let's just keep in mind, Donald Trump did not go to Congress and did not use the war authorization pack to turn... General Soleimani into a stain on an Iraqi tarmac. <laughs> yes, mm, squish. He also didn't do the same thing to eliminate ISIS either. I just want to remind everybody of that. And and if you want to take it back one more presidency, we'll, we'll keep it there. You know, Barack Obama didn't go and ask Congress whenever he wanted to drone an aspirin-making factory, a funeral, or a bunch of kids playing on a school playground. So we can't have the double standard. And And as far as Mike Johnson's testicular fortitude goes... We've heard from a lot of members of Congress. It seems like the endorsements of Mike Johnson, the person, have not changed. It seems like the job and how tough it is to be in a room with Chuck Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries, people that are closely associated with Nancy Pelosi and all those scumbags in the White House is a little bit tougher than maybe people thought it was going to be. Um, but here's the deal at the end of the day. The receipts will be the job that he does. So right now, all we could talk about is there's been another continuing resolution passed that gets the government funded through the first week and a half of March, and we'll see where we go on that. The only thing we could do for you guys as our listenership is bring you up-to-date information directly regarding as such. We're about to do so with Georgia Congressman Mike Collins, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak Breakfast Podcast, he's a congressman representing Georgia 10, one of our great friends. Always happy to sit down with Representative Mike Collins. Welcome back to the show. Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's good to be with y'all. 
Good to have you back, Mike. We know you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We saw you doing a little bit of traveling this week. You were up in the great state of Iowa, and uh, we were talking about it throughout the show today, not only the historic results, but the reactions going on across the country right now to Donald Trump's big win in the Iowa caucus last night. We know you were on the ground stumbling mm. for the 45th president. He came out stronger than ever, obviously defied a lot of the uh, expectations and exceeded everybody's kind of uh, parameters that they put out on them. But when you look at the way this thing shook out, Mike, it, it seemed like you were part of a historic event up there in Iowa. You know, yeah, it wasn't just historic weather going on up there. <laughs> the, you you could feel the electricity in the air uh, just being a part of that. We we had to go – we went to a rally yesterday afternoon to begin with. And, uh, you know, you figure 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, there's probably not going to be a lot of people there. And this was a smaller town. That place was packed, unbelievably packed. And so uh, went in there with uh, several other congressmen and and, and, and uh, kind of gave a cheerleading, rah-rah speeches and uh, got them all wound up. And then we went later on to a caucus location and uh, they told us to expect 100 to maybe 150 people at the most at this location. Man, there was over 300 people packed in that place. Awesome. They kept pulling out chairs and pulling out chairs. And I love to just get out and mingle, just talk with people. And uh, the first five people that I talked to, four of them, it was their first time ever being at a caucus and participating. Had been Iowans all their life, just never participated. And uh, two of them, they uh, the gentleman told me he was 70 and his wife was 71. He said, we had to plot park three blocks away and we walked in uh, he said by gosh we weren't going to miss it we, we came here to, to show our support for trump and we we made sure we were here and uh, man it was just it was exciting oh, it was great to watch unfold in real time how fast the mainstream media even the progressive outlets were the first ones calling it like cnn and msnbc <laughs> and then to yeah. watch all of their reactions and say oh yeah you know he did good but i mean the way they had set it up it was like donald trump was a beatable candidate a couple months ago then you know all of this yeah. stuff that's going on in his life with his legal stuff and and, and you know the, the way that he talks is really going to affect him in the caucus by the time it got to start Calling results last night, I saw like Jake Tapper, I saw uh, Randy Maddow over on MSNBC. They were like, "You want to know what? If Donald Trump doesn't win by sixty or seventy percent, this is not a win." For <laughs> and it's like, "Come on, yeah. the biggest win yeah. in the history of the Iowa caucus previously was twelve percent, and he blew yeah. that out of the water times three. So, you know, it, it was great to see you out there, Mike. And we always love that you're out there supporting the America First agenda. Well, which you, know, you, you know, the last time I looked, he uh, Trump won ninety eight of ninety nine counties. And lost the 99th so, by one vote. Is that what it did? The, okay, I did. I never got any anything past whether that was the final or not. So, but yeah, history was being made, and the entire time, all you kept hearing about, well, there's a big battle for second. <laughs> Whoopie doodle, man! If you're not in first, you might as well be last. There you go. They think of the counting this, you know. And so, and, and that's what I was telling some of the news media last night after it was all said and done. You know, yeah, yeah, you, the. the they, if they thought the Vic was going to push his support towards second or third place, they I don't know where they've been. You're going to go with the front runner, you know. And 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 the Vic he he was going to line up more with Trump anyway. But uh, this second and third place, they they might as well fold their tents up. Uh, let's go ahead and, and and shut this thing down and get ready and start campaigning for the general election.
That's the truth right there. And you, you make a great point about Vivek Ramaswamy, too. He says the right thing sometimes, does the right thing sometimes. But at the end of the day, I'll be completely honest with you, Mike. We said it in our first edition of the show today. If me personally went out to Iowa like a year, year and a half ago, and I had Vivek Ramaswamy's billions of dollars that he has because of his job in, in the pharmaceutical field, I probably could have got 8,000 votes in the Iowa caucus like he did yeah. yesterday. So, <laughs> you know, when you see the results at the end of the day and the writing on the wall, the way the American people, especially the ones in Iowa yesterday, spoke out, it's time to, you know, consolidate and, and back the front runner, which is Donald Trump. You know, part of the things he's looking to push in as part of Agenda 47 are still some of the things we're talking about up on Capitol Hill right now. The only groans sure. that we haven't heard well, we heard groans yesterday after Donald Trump's election results came in, but we also heard some of the ones out on Capitol Hill when we saw over the weekend a new CR was agreed to. We're going to have another two-step laddered uh, continuing resolution up there to keep the government open and funded through March 1st and 9th. Uh, definitely raises a couple eyebrows and, and brings some concerns to the table that we might be getting back into getting comfortable with our old ways again. We're asking for maybe some commentary or an update on the latest, what you've heard from Speaker Johnson and how these negotiations are going on. We know he's going to the White House with all of the senior leadership and, yeah. and a lot of committee chairs up on D.C. tomorrow with Joe Biden. But why don't you get our listenership caught up to the latest that you're hearing? Well, they didn't invite me to go up there. <laughs> <laughs> the meme delegation doesn't have a seat at the table? <laughs> I, I don't guess we do. So, But, uh, you know, and, and we're supposed to have a meeting and dinner tomorrow night with, with the speaker, okay. uh, with a group of us. But uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I did not support the FRA, whatever you want to call it, in the springtime. That's what they were pushing. I wouldn't support that again. I'm not for the CR. Um, you know, we – we not only have a debt crisis now, we've got a border crisis. And and with that invasion, we should be tying these two things together. We've got to the 19th. It is coming up. It's short. It's, we're in the short rows. But we should be fighting to the very end. And and I know Speaker Johnson. He, when he got the job, he was already behind the eight ball. Yep. It's probably going to cost him two, two, two shots to try to get his position right. But – He's going to pass. It'll whatever they decide. They'll get enough Democrats and and a few of the Republicans. They'll pass that thing. I'm not going to support it though. I'm not. I, I cannot do that. And then the next thing we better do, we better start on our budget. I hope it's already being worked on. We typically, I guess, are supposed to put it out in April. To me, that's crazy. Put the damn budget out in January, February 15th at the latest. And let's get that top line number. Let's start working on those appropriation bills because almost every problem we have in this country, you can push back to write back to the fact that we haven't been passing appropriation bills and running this place like it's supposed to be run. You're exactly right. Are we, are we going to do CRs and omnibuses and, you know, fall right back into the same old trap that we've been in? No, we're not going to do that this year. I, I, I cannot sit here and do this again. Uh, I tell them, I've told them, you got me once. I was a freshman, first time on this thing, but I'm expecting some a, a schedule of what we're going to do, and I expect us to stick to it. Otherwise, I'll be up there, fire, you know, asking questions. 
that's a good point that you make, Mike, and, and getting into the next session of Congress. You're not just looking forward at finding some plausible resolutions to get things done this year in regards to funding, in regards to border security, maybe some of those impeachment inquiries and the investigation into the job that Alejandro Mayorkas hasn't done on the U.S. southern border, but also getting out that congressional calendar ahead of time so we don't wait for the first four months of the next session of Congress to even start talking about, well, we probably should get into looking into some of these appropriations that are that are due in a few months and, and you know, doing the things yeah. that typically the last couple of sessions, the way Congress has dealt with them. I think you guys should be able to, you know, over the course of the summer and, and getting back into D.C. next fall, get right into this stuff. And before you're even hitting the Christmas break, pretty much be done with appropriation bills, if that's kind of the calendar you guys want to look at. No, we, we should be done with appropriations before we leave out of here, if, if we're going to leave in August. Otherwise, we shouldn't leave. Yeah, it, it just seems like either we just got here, some new Congress, we haven't got all the committees set up and rolling, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the next year, it's, oh, it's election year. We've got we've to focus more. And that's crap. You know, somebody told me last week uh, in an interview, aren't you worried, Congressman Collins, that uh, the implications of you not supporting this are going to cost you in your reelection? Man, I, I didn't come up here for reelection. I came up here to work. Yep. And, and I feel like my constituents and the American people will reward us for staying up here doing our job and doing it right instead of worrying about the next daggum election. Just do your job. People, people will, will reward you handsomely if you do it right. And if you don't and you're, you're not the right person for it, they'll replace you. And so what? That's fine, too. Either one of those are fine. This is not your job and not your career. This is service. Correct. Treat it as that. Do the right thing. Get the job done or go home. That's it. I mean, listen, when it, you're talking about people like Kevin McCarthy and Ken Buck and a couple of Mitt Romney and, and some of the other ones that have uh, Kay Granger who have decided to call it a career, I think they see the writing on the wall. For all the people who think that the House Republicans right now, especially those in the America First de uh, delegation, aren't getting the job done and aren't strong enough to stand up to the uniparty, look at some of the longest standing members of Congress who are deciding, like, you want to know what? This is an easy paycheck, but it's not worth the headache because – you guys are, are, are changing the things there. It's not something that you could flick with yeah. a light switch. It's not something that changes overnight. Obviously, there's going to be growing pains. It's going to take a long time for everybody to get on a remotely same page. But when you look at the direction of the way Congress is going right now, compared to just like you're getting a CR and, and you'll take the CR and like it, and then six months later you're going to get an omnibus for the second half of the government session, and, and that's it, American people. It's going to be bloated. It's going to have gifts for everybody in it, and you can't do anything about it. Now it's like... You know, sometimes we need a little chaos to get to the other side of greener pastures. And it seems like as long as you guys stay in the fight and bring on some more of these America First candidates who are running in the 2024 election cycle up to Capitol Hill with y'all next year, it looks like things are going to be getting a lot better and maybe sooner than a lot of people expect. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's what I've been preaching too. you talk about DeSantis out there talking. Well, you know, Trump was up there four years. He didn't get anything done much when he had the, the house. Well, look at the difference in the makeup of the House today yep. versus what it was in 2016 when he took office in 2017. The, the makeup of the Republican Party right now is almost 70 percent America First Agenda representatives. And then you talk about the people that are retiring and we're going to bring in new people for man. We could we could have upwards of 75, 80 percent of the people that represent the Republican Party up here are going to be America First Agenda we're just waiting on the captain of the ship, and that's Donald Trump. 
And once we get him back in there, oh man, Katie barred the door. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll we'll hit this. We'll have this place humming like a sewing machine again. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that part. I'm I'm I cannot wait to get through November. No, can't agree with you more. No, I like the sound of sewing machines, don't you? Yes. Be a good sewing machine. <laughs> Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you on, you know, I think uh, Jamie Comer, Jim Jordan, and, and all the other guys who are working on the Biden impeachment inquiry are doing quite a good job of, of methodically going through everything to make sure it's not a spectacle like Hunter Biden is trying to make it up to be, but yeah. it's going to be legitimate when presented to the American people, show them if there's any evidence of connectivity tissue between Hunter Biden's business dealings and what Joe Biden was doing during his time as vice president and senator. One of the other concerns that a lot of the American people has at ties into the budget, it ties into border security, it's possibly moving forward on, on, on Alejandro Mayorkas. Do you see any movement on that? We know we've talked to several congressmen and women over the course of the last month, month and a half, that said they were going to try and bring it to the House floor at some point in mid to late January. But, you know, just to kind of give a forecast of there, the guy's done the worst job that any cabinet member has done by a lot. And and when you look at all the all-stars that are in the Biden administration, that's saying something. You know, he's not a furry. Yes. He's not a transgender. He's not one of these woke guys that are out from California. He's just gone in there and done the worst job by a lot. And, and it seems like the American people would really appreciate it if the, uh, at least Republican side of the Congress is looking to hold him accountable. Yeah, we are. We're, we're going to hold his butt accountable. Um, I don't sit on those two committees, unfortunately, oversight or judiciary. Um, but yeah, it's time for my orcas to go. And, and honestly, I think there are enough people up here that we could push him out now. Easy push him out. I think waiting towards the election year was, was probably the there there because you know, you have all these people, especially ones that are kind of squished with their votes, be like, Hey, listen, you're getting a lot of illegals dumped in your city. You're in a border state and you're usually kind of whatever on border security. You know, it's one of those times now where if people are seeing you don't want to move on someone like Alejandro Mayorkas for what he's doing to your community, it's going to show up at the ballot box and you might not like the results. So I kind of like the way I think Republicans are looking to move there. Congressman, we're going to be live linking everything you've got in the show description today. Links to your congressional website, obviously your accounts as well, so they could see all the memes. When you talk about where you could follow Mike Collins, where are we looking for you? Yeah, you look uh, just look for Rep. Mike Collins, and and that'll take you across anything you want to find us on. Uh, so, but but back to my orchestra, right quick. You're right, that, and that's what I was getting at. The, this border security and this invasion that we got on the southern border is as big a crisis as we have as the debt crisis now. And and if people in this conference up here, and if people in the in the U.S. House of Representatives don't see that. Then, then they need to explain that to their constituents because the American people see it and uh, and they want something done about it. They are screaming. It's everywhere we go, people are screaming. And uh, right up there at the top is, is Mayorkas. And he obviously, for somebody like him, I do not understand how he doesn't see. He does. I'm sure he sees it. Sure. Why he's hanging on, why he is his hell-bent on, on staying the course and trying to take this country down is beyond pale. So uh, good Lord willing, we'll get rid of his sorry butt here in short order. It's interesting to see if you look into Alejandro Mayorkas's backstory, where he came from, what his family ran from, to live out the American dream, to only get up to mm-hmm. one of the highest positions in, in the United States government as the DHS secretary and, and want to unravel that for anyone else who's looking for the same opportunity is beyond us. But, Congressman, we'll keep everything yeah. dialed in with you. We're going to live link everything in the show description today and make sure we'll be sitting down with you again at some point in the near future. This is the Congressman who's representing Georgia 10, also fighting for all the American people. Mr. Mike Collins, thanks for joining us on the show. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoyed it. Y'all do the same. See you later.
I now want to turn our attention to Joe Biden's border crisis, which continues to be the number one concern, certainly of constituents in my district, and one of the top concerns of Americans across the country. Last week, over 60 House Republicans went to Texas, led by the Speaker of the House, to see firsthand the catastrophe that Joe Biden's open border policies have created. And it's not just in Texas, in upstate New York, where my district shares a border with Canada, overworked Border Patrol agents are being overwhelmed there by a flux of illegal immigrants from 79 different countries, just recently apprehending an Iranian national with clear terrorist ties. Great. Since Joe Biden stepped into the Oval Office, there have been over 8 million illegal crossings. Last month, more than 300,000 illegal immigrants poured into our country, setting the record for the most monthly encounters in history. As President Ronald Reagan historically said, quote, a nation that cannot control its borders is not a nation, end quote. Good point by the Republican House Chairwoman Elise Stefanik there, Congresswoman from New York, as she and and a majority of House leadership made it up to Capitol Hill yesterday, put out some speaking points after they huddled for a little bit of leadership Republican conference. And as we're hitting the, the Tuesday news cycle here, you know, there's a lot of congressmen and women who are still displaced all over the country due to the winter vortex, which... Um, Made things tough. Everything from the Iowa caucus to the Buffalo Bills playoff game, which got pushed a day later, all the way down to, as we're going to check in in a little while, the great state of Tennessee as well when we sit down with Representative Burchett. So, you know, it, it's it's funny, Noah. We've seen so little movement on doing anything to lock down the U.S. southern border outside of what Texas has done independently to take back a little bit of its sovereignty along it's fence line with Mexico. Yeah, it's a shame that California doesn't have a better government <laughs> that would do something like that. Because, like, let's say Arizona and Texas both just stem the flow completely. Okay. That just means California's overrun. Yeah. With electoral votes. Well, we just gave, uh, you know, free health care to illegal, so why would we be doing anything about border security? Yeah, why would you go to Texas? Free tumbleweeds? I saw they set up a couple welcoming stations on the uh, Mexican side of the fence down in San Diego over the course of the weekend. It's tents that have heaters, water, food. Yeah, I think I saw like aerial photos of that or some shit. Accessibility to doctors and even dentistry. They have a dentist chair there. I'm pretty sure I have to pay to go to the dentist still. It's, it's a hefty fee as well. What if you renounce your citizenship? Not that I would ever do that. And then come in as an asylee. Would that work, do you think? I, I I think you'd buy yourself some time, at least to about 2033, according to the notices to appear. That well, all I got to do is just get somebody pregnant. I'm good to go. Oh, that's true. Can you renounce and then regain? If if, if you have an anchor baby and then... Like, would, would you just get like status as like a permanent resident, maybe? Hey, now they're looking to give you work authorization when you when you cross the line. So what's the difference? So there could be no downtime whatsoever. I could get back to forklifting immediately. <laughs> You'd be out of the union, though. <laughs> it's wild. You know, I saw, uh, as I was coming to the show today, some of the on-the-ground reporting from Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, Texas, where DPS, the the marshals, the Texas state law enforcement seized control of their border from the Department of Homeland Security and essentially kicked them out so they could reject all the migrants coming in from there. Well, and before we get into this, Noah, we've talked with so many people who have worked along the border. When Donald Trump was the president, there was essentially nobody 
and I'm saying essentially, nobody dying crossing the border, especially where there's rivers, it, it was like a very rare occurrence. Well, that's what happens when you have to stay in the place that you're coming from to claim asylum in the place that you actually want to be. Now they have built refrigeration centers down on the U.S. southern border, especially in Texas, because of the amount of people that are dying crossing these rivers and treacherous areas of the border every day. It's not to keep the Capri Suns cold. Well, apparently, since Texas has seized control of their portion of the border from DHS last week, there's been three illegal deaths. So guess what? Everyone from Kamala Harris and Joe Biden to AOC are blaming Texas for those deaths. Greg Abbott and Ken Paxson. Do you think I'm bullshitting you in regards? That's ridiculous. To that end, all the legal cases that are being filed against Texas, let's check out the latest update from there. Well, Sandra, the battle over this park intensified last week when Texas put up additional razor wire and kicked out federal border patrol agents. Texas argues in part that it can just do a better job deterring migrants than the federal government here. There's more additional razor wire and fencing put up around this park. The dispute has now become more heated after Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar tweeted a fiery allegation that Texas is to blame for the drowning death in this area of a migrant mother and two children on Friday, alleging Texas blocked Border Patrol from rescuing them. DHS released a statement backing that claim. Well, the Texas Military Department strongly denies the allegation, saying Mexican authorities handled the drownings. But the White House weighed in on the unconfirmed allegation, writing in part, on Friday night, a woman and two children drowned near Eagle Pass, and Texas blocked U.S. Border Patrol from attempting to provide emergency assistance. Well, in the newest court filing, the Department of Homeland Security confirms what the Texas military says actually happened. The drownings occurred at 8 p.m., and Mexican authorities handled the incident and didn't even alert the U.S. until one hour after the migrants died. DHS writing in the new filing, Mexican officials also informed Border Patrol that three migrants, one woman and two children, had drowned at approximately 8 p.m. in the same area. Now, aside from those three migrants that drowned, DHS claims it was also blocked from assisting in a rescue of two other migrants that lived in this area. The Biden administration has warned that it has uh, Texas has until tomorrow to allow federal agents back into this park. We'll be here throughout the day today and tomorrow. Sandra, we'll keep... So you heard the whole story. If Texas DPS didn't report it, and the Border Patrol didn't report it, and the Mexican authorities reported it, but didn't report it to any U.S. authorities, it sounds like, could it be? The NGOs who are running these human smuggling operations all over the world and funneling people into the United States at numbers we've never seen before could have complained to the Biden administration that... They weren't getting paid? Mm, imagine that. They get paid per head, I would assume. Per head, and then they get their lump sums in the appropriations every year too. Yeah, it is ridiculous that that is something that that is allowed to happen. It's it's money laundering, like the amount of money laundering going on in this country. I mean, the civilian side alone, but the government side, holy shit! Everything from Fannie Willis to Alejandro Mayorkas and everything in between. And it's like Myra Flores pointed out at the end of our first edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today. Who are the people that are being affected by this the most? It's the children, it's the young female adults, and it's the easily manipulated families who are just lost in the shuffle, lost in between the dollars and cents. Well, and the amount of like young female adults or even old female adults or even minor female children mm-hmm. that are being raped by these scumbags that are transporting these people, it's disgusting. It certainly is.
and, and for the Biden administration to kind of turn this into a virtual. This is the Haitian whippers 2.0 saying that Texas allowed these people to drown or, or, or they're it sounds like a football team. The, the Texas whippers. <laughs> I like it, but saying that their version of border security contributed to these deaths. Let me give you guys, and I don't have the most accurate numbers, but I will pull them for next show. Out of the over 10 million people that have already crossed this border illegally since Joe Biden took office and the close to 3 million gotaways, I'm not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form. Thousands of people have died crossing the border. Thousands. Women, children, men died in in remote deserts, mountainous regions, and throughout the course of navigating some of the most dangerous riverbeds that our country has to offer uh, on that border with Mexico, all the way over from the eastern part of Texas through the end of Arizona and into California. And along the way, the numbers are probably astronomically higher when you talk about coming up from Central and South America up into Mexico and then making the trek. If you go on some of the good Telegram channels that that investigate what's going on in the U.S. southern border, they show dead bodies all the time, just bloated, you know, half eaten from coyotes and other animals out there. Men, women, children, just people just walk right past them. And, and it's like watching some of these war zones in, in, in like Ukraine or, or what happened on October 7th over in Israel. It's just, you know, everyone that's around just kind of shuffles along as if it's normal and, and doesn't really pay much mention to the dead bodies that they're stepping over. So it's it's really interesting to see that they would use this as, as their biggest virtue single. And it's going to be even more interesting to see. We'll have an up-to-date kind of report on what's going on because tomorrow is when DHS is supposedly going to force their way into this area, Shelby Park in, in Eagle Pass, and then the legal proceedings are going to begin in regard to the Biden administration's filings tomorrow as well. I wonder how that's going to go. That's oof. probably not good. I saw Utah Congressman, former Trump enjoyer, now born-again Trump enjoyer. Ooh. Utah Senator Mike Lee jumped on with Maria Bartiromo yesterday. He was talking about border security. He's been one of the biggest people that wants anything but Schumer-McConnell border security. Let's hear him. Can seem more interested in sending money to Ukraine than actually securing the border. When are Senate Republicans going to get serious about the border? When Mitch McConnell dies. Well, it's time to get security, uh, serious about the border right now. Damn it. And the way we do that is to tell the Biden administration. You are close. If you want your administration funded, Secure the border, secure the border or shut it down. The mm -hmm. very worst thing we could do right now is give them more money for their priorities, for things uh, uh, like giving aid to help other countries secure their borders uh, while doing nothing that's actually going to change President Biden's will uh, to enforce the law. That is his job. He took an oath to do that. He's failing badly when it comes to the border mm. and the consequences are catastrophic. It results yes. in, in human trafficking, human sex trade. It's it's eroding lawlessness across our country. These things do have an effect, and it's harming Americans. It's harming people all over the Western Hemisphere. I, I do like that Senator Lee stayed away from using the, you know, typical virtue signal of fentanyl, even though it's a horrible thing. Over a hundred thousand U.S. deaths, a lot of them people in that, you know, uh, twenty three and under, twenty three to fourteen demographic, where kids and and young adults are affected by it. However. You do have to look at the there there. For every single pill that comes across this border, there are, are humans, women, children that are just shredded in the shuffle and sent into slavery, sent into meat packing factories, sent into sexual servitude. And 
we just don't talk about it enough. We, we, we pretend it's not happening when it could be happening in, in, in your very own neighborhood uh, all across the United States. And it, it's something that affects everybody now. And it's a very scary talking point. And I think it's because there's not, not enough people educated on the matter to know the specifics of it, to know about the NGOs that are funding it. And unfortunately, that our government is funding them. You know how we always like to point out the fact that the United States government is sending aid to both sides of pretty much every war on the planet? Yeah. We're also sending aid to every side of the biggest human trafficking event in the history of the globe. Um, and it's just a, it's a sucky topic to talk about. But one, if you don't keep beating it into the heads of the American people, to the news consumers, to the listeners you're not going to want to send people up to Capitol Hill to work on Congress who are going to shut this border down even better than Donald Trump had it shut down before he left office. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, please make sure you subscribe to the show. Be sharing the Steak of Breakfast podcast with your friends and family and following us across all of those downloadable podcasting platforms. That's hitting the plus button, hitting the follow button, saying yes to downloading on your electronic device. Helps us out big time. Algorithms, suggestions, and the Apple Top 100. In addition, social media, Twitter, get her true social and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. Getting ready to wrap up this new segment here and our second edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today on this Tuesday and jump in with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett. I saw Speaker Johnson jumped on with Martha McGallum yesterday. She was talking about border security and, and what the potential showdown with Joe Biden as early as tomorrow could look like ahead of the Iowa caucus results last night. Let's hear what the Speaker had to say. All right. I can't let you go without asking about your phone call with uh, President Biden. Is it, did, you, did you get a sense? Obviously, it's confidential, a phone call between a Speaker of the House and the President of the United States. But in broad sense, is like. he moving on this <laughs> issue? Do you see him starting to, to want to do some executive orders that might change things at the border? Well, I, I did talk with him about that, and you know, I've, I've been public about it. I sent it to him in writing in a letter back in December, or right before Christmas, uh, asking him, urging him to take the executive uh, orders and, and uh, executive authority he has to, to address this issue. We're working on legislation, legislative fixes, but he has authority under existing law, and I reiterated that again today. I, I do believe that he understands the, the magnitude of the crisis, or he's beginning to, and I'm hopeful that all of us will be able to work together to solve this dilemma. It's a catastrophe. That's the right so word. So did he indicate any openness to those executive actions, to taking them? I, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to say exactly what we discussed, but I'll tell you that, that I've been advancing that. I've, I've expressed to him the urgency. I told him what we saw on the border just last week with 64 House Republicans. It, it, it is heartbreaking and infuriating what's happening there. The American people are demanding action, and we're going to deliver it. I guess we, we can only hold him to his word, right? Yeah, we hope, hopefully we can. One of our favorite steak for breakfast enjoyers just put out a a post on X from the steps of Capitol Hill. Matt Rosendale, who joined us on our one of our Tuesday editions of the show last week, I liked him. Always fired up, huge advocate for veterans, and uh, apparently they canceled all proceedings in Congress today due to the inclement weather across the United States. So he put out a tweet that said. I guess everyone is safe for the next day or two since Congress won't be passing any legislation to spend your money or take away your liberties. <laughs> That's what happens when you get a congressional snow day. You know... They, what, they can't just, like, zoom in or something? I guess, but you, you can't vote remotely anymore. That's, and, probably, uh, that's actually probably a good thing. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, we're getting ready to round out our second edition of the show today and jump in with Rep. Burchett, but in our last audio clip today, I do have... 
what we should start and end with in both of our shows, and that's Donald Trump's big win in Iowa. You know, I did make the the talking point that a lot of the mainstream media outlets cut Donald Trump off his victory speech last night when he started talking about some of the itemized lines within Agenda 47 regarding border security. You know, and, and for all those idiots out there that want to talk about Donald Trump going on the campaign trail and saying he shouldn't be invoking people like Hitler by saying the invasion at our U.S. southern border is poisoning the lifeblood of our nation. Within a week of Donald Trump making that comment, you have Democrat congressmen and women all across the country says like, hey, we see you in New York and Chicago. Dump those illegals in our districts. We need the census numbers to go up so we can win more House seats in future sessions of Congress. That's the quiet part out loud, everybody. It certainly is. And, and when you want to talk about what literally poisoning the lifeblood of our nation is, it's taking away our ability to govern ourselves. Look at all these people that have already been able to grift their way into Congress, like the Jihad Squad and AOC, Trisha Crockett down in Texas that, that's got eyelashes that are longer than her disgusting long fingernails. To any, it doesn't matter what committee she's on. The only thing she talks about is white nationalism and racism. In regards to anything, it could be like a budget issue, border security, a Donald Trump investigation, and anything in between. We can't have this, you know, and we have to be able to get back to it can't be people with double-digit IQ up on Capitol Hill anymore. These people are, are railroading our country through a dead end that we're not going to be able to pull the train back onto the tracks. And when you talk about what Donald Trump did in his first term in office regarding border security, you can't beat it. The numbers don't lie. We've already debunked everything. They said he didn't build border wall. He built 500-plus miles of it. They said he didn't deport anybody. No shit idiot. That's because 4 million people were stuck in Mexico due to remain in Mexico policies. You can't deport them if they can't cross the line. Got them. Guess what though? All 4 million plus of those people and about 10 million more have crossed the U.S. southern border since Joe Biden took office. Here's Donald Trump from the lectern last night after his big win in Iowa, stumping on border security. Let's hear it. Border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into <laughs> our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. I think it's a group of people that probably larger in number than New York State. And we can't have that. We can't have that. It's not sustainable as a country. It's horrible. And you know, they're coming from prisons and jails. They're coming from all over. They're coming from countries that most people have never heard of. And they're coming from mental institutions and insane asylums. They're being emptied out into our country. This is where MSNBC and cut out. And they're terrorists. Many terrorists are coming in. You know, in 2019, I saw just recently on a poll, they had none in 29, no terrorists. Not, now, I even say there's got to be some, but they have none. And then as soon as this group took over, they have hundreds and hundreds of terrorists coming in, known terrorists, some of them really bad. And many of them are in, and they came in, and nobody knows where they are. This is not a good thing. And we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time, since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. actually. So I don't want to be overly uh, rough on the president. <laughs> don't worry, he hit him pretty hard as well. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about those Dwight Eisenhower numbers over 3 million throughout the course of his presidency, it would be like 
the deportation equivalent of how we were still not able to figure out how they built the pyramids. Because at the time, technology-wise, it just seemed inconceivable to be able to canvas the entire country, round up 3 million people, and remove them from the United States. That's why they say, oh, yeah, you'll never get 10 million people out of here that Joe Biden let in. Mm, Not so fast, my friend. Listen, there might be the social justice warriors out there who are going to protest it. There's going to be a lot of people in the media who are going to try to demonize it. But when you talk about the actual physical task at hand... There's going to be a lot of overtime. Tom Homan just wants to snap 10 million people out of this country. Can he get all the Infinity Stones? I guess we're going to kind of have to continue to track it. And, and you know we'll be doing that here on Steak for Breakfast. We're getting ready to jump in and wrap up our second of two all-new Tuesday editions of the show today with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's a congressman representing Tennessee, too. Always excited to sit down with Mr. Tim Burchett. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you all for having me. Well, hope you had a nice holiday, and it seems like we've hit the ground running up on Capitol Hill. Maybe not to everybody's liking, but there's a lot of movement going on. We did see last week there was some negotiations between Speaker Johnson and the rest of leadership on the Democrat side regarding a budget. It didn't seem like a lot of people in the America First delegation of the House of Representatives, in addition to the Freedom Caucus, were very happy with that. A lot of outspokenness regarding the bill. It seems like we're moving in, in a couple different directions on us right now, Congressman, and we're hoping that you could give us the absolute latest on what's going on with the budget negotiations. We know that there's been a, a new CR that gets a government funded through the first week of March, two steps, the first and the ninth. But moving forward, I think the rest of America is wondering what we're doing in regards to appropriations and uh, getting away from these continuing resolutions. Yeah, well, we've been doing those continuing resolutions for over 20 years. Um, Democrats and Republicans, we just kicked the can down the road and and frankly, leadership in both parties likes it because they don't have to justify the spending. Right. Um, I've actually gone in depth about the spending and what we're doing. And he he is doing the uh, laddered approach or a staggered approach where you put it in and in, in, um, in sections to cram it all down our throat. And I appreciate that. I mean, his the numbers are are very his numbers are very thin. So he has to he's just trying to cobble something together to, to get us past it. And that's. Yeah, and I think um, immigration is going to be another thing that really is will hinder this. Um, you know, folks in my district are saying um, no border, no budget, and it's that important to folks. You know, we have over eight million have come in just by the admission of this White House. Several million gotaways. Then you had to me the most heartbreaking part is the hundred thousand children that are that are somewhere in our system, and God knows what awful things they're enduring right now correct and washington's allowing it so we we've got a lot on our plate and we need to we need to step up and do something no it's ridiculous 
Well, you know, when you look at the parameters of it, Congressman, hopefully you could lay it out for us a little bit. The, the numbers in the House vote-wise right now are razor thin, and we know there's a lot of emotion that goes into maybe other news programs or, or some of the more longstanding members up in Congress who who kind of want to lay out maybe not realistic expectations on where we are. You know, there was a whole bunch of previously negotiated side deals that came to light a, a lot clearer once Speaker Johnson tried to move uh, on some negotiations with Chuck Schumer in the Biden White House. But when you talk about just the parameters of it in this session of Congress right now, there's very little wiggle room to what, you know, he could do as far as negotiating the budget. But when you want to talk about like standalone foreign aid or border security, those are two of the big stands that House Republicans can make right now and kind of, you know, hold Joe Biden and, and the rest of his administration accountable for the lack of whatever they've done since he's taken office. I agree. And to think that shutting the border, the, the shutting the border down versus shutting the government down. You know, Reagan shut it down eight times, eight times. And people don't even bring that up. And uh, uh, I think it's a lot of wringing of hands and gnashing of teeth that's unnecessary, actually. We don't want to cause any harm. And and we know Biden will, will make the cuts the hardest he can if he has to shut it down to just prove how awful the Republicans are. But the reality is, you know, we passed H.R. 2, which would have secured our border, which would have um, provided something in place there that's that's not present now it's um we don't really have a border it's just an open it's a welcome mat really and um and until that happens i you know i think the public would support some very stringent rules and ideas and and taking a stand for once we we don't seem to really take too many stands the old timers they love um and they just want to get along let's just pass this thing and we can you know, we can work it out that way. And let's, you know, that's what's gotten us $34 trillion in debt. This idea that we're going to compromise, you know, we've compromised ourselves into, into a fiscal calamity. And that's what's happened at our border. People, you know, and I like blaming the liberals in this White House. But the truth is, on the border, the, um, the National Chambers of Commerce have fought us tooth and nail every which way they can because they got cheap labor. Yep. And they know it. And that's what's funding this thing. It's the uniparty. They have nothing to do. It doesn't matter who's Republican or Democrat. They're getting paid and they're making money. And it's um, it's unfortunate they put put our country at risk doing it. Now, when you talk about the border battle right now, there's some breaking news that came out today just within the last hour of our show that the big four congressional leaders have been invited to the White House for a meeting with Joe Biden himself tomorrow. That's going to be. Speaker Johnson, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, and Hakeem Jeffries uh, also being com key committee chair members will be joining them, and they're going to be talking on the National Security Supplemental. You know Joe Biden, especially after everyone's seen Vladimir Zelensky at the World Economic Forum saying that, you know, this war can't end until Putin is stopped. In addition to that, we have to remember the rest of the world is on the tab to rebuild Ukraine when he's done playing with his toys over there in Eastern Europe. But the fact of the matter is Joe Biden's going to do whatever he can to try and get some of those aid packages, especially for the ones that go into the black holes like places like Ukraine, tied into any kind of border security compromise. Now, I talked to a couple of congressmen and women last week up on Capitol Hill outside of our podcast who said Speaker Johnson has been saying in close circles and in conference that Joe Biden is starting to get a little worried about border security heading into the election cycle and therefore may willing 
to bend the knee a little bit when it comes to it. Do you think that Speaker Johnson has to use these negotiation chips in regards to getting that border at least somewhat secure, more secure than it is now, which is at 0%? I think anything he does will be positive. I just uh, I just want him to step up and, and, and take a tough stand on this thing because I think it is that important. I, you know, I, I, every poll that showed, and, and, you know, this is all about staying in power. <laughs> Let's be honest about this. It's about staying in power. It's not about what's best for the country. I hear people, I hear Republicans say, we got to do this so we can remain in the majority. And, I, and the Democrats say, we got to do this so we get the majority. For what? Every time, every, you know, every party that gets in power just sells out their country. And that's exactly, you know, we, we've got to take a tough stand on this thing, man. This is, this is for all the marbles. It's not the Republicans or the Democrats controlling the House of Representatives. You know, it's it's for it's the future of our uh, the fiscal uh, state of this country. And at thirty four trillion in debt, we take in five trillion, we spend seven trillion. That's the bottom line. You can cuss me, you can cuss the fiscal conservatives, but that math does not work. It never will work, and it will continue to. If, if that's if, you know the anarchists have their way if that's their intention they're doing a pretty good job of it and deflate the dollar um inflation goes through the roof people are out of work um then they just reorganize our whole country in the way that they see fit and that's that's kind of the path they're headed down right now if you don't uh if you just look at your your grocery tab in the last two years sure. how much it's gone and just the cost i was somebody my wife asked, we were talking today about how much it costs for a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. I think it's $15 <laughs> in Tennessee. You know, I mean, you don't think about it, but it's, it's supply chain. It's everything. It's inflation and, um, and wages aren't going to keep up with that. And it's just, it's out of control. And we've got to, we've just got to say enough is enough and take a tough stand. And I'm willing to do that. No, you certainly are, and you certainly have to this point. You've been one of the most outspoken members, and you've pointed out reasonably what what, what the there there is, and it's the out-of-control spending. I mean, all of these CRs right now are coming on the heels of, you know, post-COVID spending where everything was so inflated anyway. It's just we're adding so many trillions in debt. Every single time we make a move, there has to be, at some point, the brakes be pumped or we're going to lose the country, much to like you alluded to. Congressman, did you – uh? Take in any of the Iowa caucus last night and see the results. It seems like Donald Trump had done a uh, pretty remarkable job of exceeding all the expectations in his big win there. You know, when you talk about retaining power in the House, it was funny how House Republicans pushed back on a lot of things Donald Trump wanted to do in the first two years of administration when the Republicans were in power there, including border security. You see the other side of the coin right now with the Biden administration. You have Republicans who are in the majority in the House. They have the power of the purse, and therefore— you know, you would think they'd be able to put the brakes on on things like border security and and unrestricted funding for foreign wars, but we haven't been able to do that. You know, when you see Donald Trump, who's going to be looking to push all of these big points in Agenda Forty Seven, hopefully at the start of twenty twenty five and in the next session of Congress, it seems like he got off to a pretty good start in Iowa yesterday. He did fifty one percent. First time I believe anybody's ever done that. There, I, every every debate they ask me who do I think won. And I don't. I haven't watched the debate in years. I always <laughs> say the same thing. Donald Trump won. You know, it, it, debates. You bring your side. I bring my side. We both leave thinking we won. Trump doesn't show up and he wins. And we know he's winning. It's just just going through the math, going through the process, and um, everybody's just running to see who will be number two, really. And and I, you know, I, it's it, it almost to the point of 
uh, just being worthless, really. I, I think Trump's going to be the party nominee unless the Lord or the United States Supreme Court takes him out. Um, he's going to be the Republican nominee. There's no question. No question. And they in the left is is foaming at the mouth right now. They can't stand it. And I was watching some of these others this morning for about a minute. And, um, and just the usual rhetoric, you know, about Trump. And it just, and all it does, and I was on CNN the other night, um, I think with Jim Acosta. And I said, you know, if you all would just ignore Trump, you know, that would help your cause. I said, y'all just can't help yourselves. Because every time they trash him, every time he gets one of these bogus charges pulled yeah. up on him, his numbers go up. The American public sees the weaponization of, of, of our government. They see uh, sweet little mamas going to a school board because their little babies are being fed porno- literally pornography in their public classrooms, and they're being labeled domestic terrorists. Yeah. You know, America sees what's going on. I just hope they're ticked off enough this go around and 20 million of them decide to go to the polls where last time 20 million of them decided to stay home because of a mean tweet. You know, I, if they don't get to the polls, you, know, you can continue watching The View and um, and, and let them your um, political analysts and your advisors, or you can get off your butt on election day and go vote. That's the there there. I mean, if you if the Iowa caucus results are, are any indication of where this election cycle is going to go, it seems like mean tweets are not only back in style, but alive and well. Congressman, this has been awesome seeing down with you today. Always a pleasure when you come and join us on the show. Give us a, a realistic view of what's going up on Capitol Hill and, and tell our listenership all the important information they need to hear. We're obviously going to be live linking your congressional website in the show description today. If anybody wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? On X at Tim Burchett. I've got an official one, you know, a Congressman Burchett, whatever, but that's not as cool as my at Tim Burchett and um, T I M B U R C H E T T. And that's where I let the, I take the gloves off. There's no editing done. <laughs> that's the one that we're going to be live linking in the show description today. Then we're hoping for the follow back as well. This is the Congressman that's representing Tennessee, too. Always a pleasure sitting down with Representative Tim Burchett. Thank you for joining us on the show. I'll follow y'all back. And please keep putting the truth out there, brother. You're over the target. That's why they're firing at us. So have, a good, have a good day, sir. You too. Well, Noah, one primary down, 49 to go. Only 49. It's not that bad. We'll get there. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 315 other editions of the show, it's pretty simple. Follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. Hit the plus button. Follow us. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, social media is Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Find the Stake for Breakfast accounts. Follow them and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our friends for coming down and sharing with our listenership today. The official spokesperson for Trump 2024, Caroline Levitt. Always great sitting down with her. Also getting to meet Myra Flores and, and hearing about her campaign platform for the first time. Former congresswoman from Texas looking to take it up to Capitol Hill again next year. And speaking of the Hill... Our trio of congressmen, Mike Collins out of Georgia, Tim Burchett out of Tennessee, and of course, Arizona's finest, Mr. Andy Biggs. You guys all helped make steak great again. Guys, it's a busy week. Another primary in 10 days. Lots of developing news, and we've got you covered for Friday. We'll be back with two more all-new editions of the show. So far, we've got Rep. Andy Harris making a steak for breakfast debut. Jeffrey Clark will be joining us again, and Illinois' congressional candidate, Darren Bailey will be heading into the podcast for the first time as well. So on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week and take care.
divorced Luke. Let go, Luke. The force is strong in this one. Luke, trust me. Your targeting computer. What's wrong? 